Welcome to HSBC Build and Grow, a series that focuses on managing finance for business continuity. As financial stakes center stage in business continuity conversations, your story together with HSBC is proud to present this series, featuring some of the finest minds in the ecosystem to help businesses leverage the financial ingenuity, perspective, and insights from these experts to power their own journey their own continent. Dhruv, very nice to have you on the show. You know, uh, Dhruv, you are best positioned to tell us what's happening in the real estate space. I want to understand that. And also about Prop Tiger. you've been in a very uh, crowded market, internet startup, growing small, and now so big. Uh, tell us about your journey and tell us about the real estate market right now. Yes, look, talking... Talking about real estate first, Shraddha, I mean, if one looks at real estate from a long-term perspective, I think the fundamentals are extremely strong. Mm. Uh, just given the young demographic of the country, the urbanization rate, growing income, I think all of that, uh, you know, bodes very well uh, for a sector like real estate. Uh, I think the sector has faced challenges, you know, in the last uh, six to seven years. I think for a few reasons, you know, one was the general mistrust in the sector. I think, you know, developers over leveraged themselves, were unable to meet their commitments in terms of project completion, etc., which led to a fundamental mistrust. And as things were sort of getting better, then there was the whole RERA regime. Prior to that was, of course, demonetization, which, you know, hit the sector hard. Uh, but the whole RERA regime, which is good for the consumer and the developer going forward, but just adjusting to that uh, took its toll. Uh, then adjusting to the new GST regime, uh, and then there was this whole NBFC liquidity crisis, which again led to a supply yeah. shock, now COVID. So I think real estate really has been hit by a lot of different things over the last six, seven years, uh, which, is, which is the reason why it's not done so well as a sector. Uh, but as I said, fundamentally, I think the, the, the right macro uh, tailwinds are there. I think in the short term, frankly, uh, uh, it's going to be at least six to 12 months before you know, we see demand coming back. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there will be delays in, you know, project completion, construction, because uh, as we know, there's a lot of reverse migration, which has happened uh, back to the villages. We're mm. also on the cusp of uh, the monsoon. So given all of that, we're going to see construction delays uh, and we don't expect to see anything start until after the monsoons are, uh, are over. Uh, I think commercial real estate will see a fundamental shift. Uh, it, it's been one bright spot in the entire real estate market in the last three, four years. But that, I think, will see a fundamental shift with the entire trend towards working from home. Uh, you know, flexible spaces like co-working, although, you know, might benefit from that. Uh, I think the way people relate to a home will change. Uh, I think what people have realized during this 70-day lockdown is that uh, the only safe haven for you really is your own home. Yeah. Uh, so people are going to fundamentally look at a home very differently. Uh, people will want larger spaces. Uh, because, you know, being locked down with no balconies, with no study where you can work from home, all those things will change. So people will want, you know, bigger places. Plus, I think, uh, you know, real estate markets in the periphery of cities, as well as smaller cities will do well. Uh, because if there is indeed, uh, you know, a, a definitive shift towards work from home, which I fundamentally believe will be, you're going to see that many people don't need to live in the heart of the city where they are working. In, in, in order to, you know, effectively do their jobs. So somebody in a smaller town may continue living there, 
and still work for a company uh, you know based out of delhi uh, and similarly you could be living at the periphery of the center of delhi or gurgaon or noida uh, and yet be able to do your task effectively so i think these are certain fundamental shifts you're going to see uh, but in the short term as as we are seeing with every other category i think there will be a demand challenge for the next 6 to 12 months yeah but uh, dhruv i also want to understand that real estate as a sector right like india i still think is extremely under leveraged tell us about that right what is the big opportunity that you see for the whole sector so look you know as as we all know shadha that real estate typically tends to be anywhere between 6 to 10% of gdp for any economy mm, yeah so it's really a key a key piece of any economy it is uh, you know in india the second largest employer uh, of people it's a key sector Mm. Uh, i think where we've had challenges i think is to do with uh, i think a certain set of developers uh, who did not approach the sector in the right way yeah uh, and hence led to a lot of mistrust in the sector but i think with rera coming in uh, and laws becoming uh, more stringent and you see you can't have a sector like real estate not regulated uh, it is just unbelievable that the first set of regulations really came in about 2 years ago uh, so that i think uh, you know was probably the reason why the real estate has punched below its weight but now with regulations coming in uh, and also fundamentally with you know whole the whole liquidity crisis and now covid i think will lead to a shake out in the industry uh, the weak players i think will have to merge with stronger players or will simply fold away uh, you will see the the rise of many organized players in real estate there are many who who've been there like dlf prestige many others who've been around for a long time uh but there'll also be corporate players like you know whether you have godrej tata mahindra's many others uh who'll also step into the sector so once you have a sector which has quality players and is regulated i think you're going to finally start seeing the realization of uh, the potential which real estate has uh, you know in india and frankly which which needs to be a key driver of economic growth for our country going forward yeah yeah, yeah. tell me tell about that you know it's been a it's been a fascinating journey uh, for me personally shraddha it's uh, we we started the business in 2011 uh, mm. and uh, you know when when we started uh, we picked a very specific niche to start in uh, mm. so you know despite the fact that it was even crowded at that point in time as you start you know started out by saying uh, we we picked a very different niche we basically went after the new homes market uh, and we said that we are going to actually provide end to end services to the consumer which mm. means we're not going to be involved only in search and discovery but we're actually going to handhold the consumer through the entire transaction mm. and help the consumer with financing as well mm. that was a differentiated positioning that we took uh, and that mm. helped us to grow because mm. we were sort of immune to the noisiness in the sector where there were many many players out there who had mm. a who were following a traditional classifieds model mm. uh, then along the way of course we did uh, do several acquisitions uh, so we've grown both organically and inorganically uh, and created now what i would like to call like a full stack real estate player uh, mm. which essentially uh, you know works with every participant in the ecosystem all the way from developers brokers consumers financiers uh, and we sort of as the digital portal uh, being at the center of it all uh you know trying to create this uh you know ecosystem which is frankly missing uh in uh, in real estate yeah yeah you know the uh, dhruv and you have to tell us that i i still feel that 
the real estate space per se or you know the ecosystem around it still is very fragmented right in the country yeah so look you know if if you if you look at if you look at uh, uh, you know the fragmentation yes there are there are approximately you know if if you look at credai which is the association of real estate developers i think uh, i might have my numbers a little off but anywhere from 12 to 15000 developers out there so clearly there are a large number of developers uh, if you look at if you look at broking uh, i wouldn't say it's really fragmented if you look at the united states today uh, i think you have two or three million brokers out there so mm. in that sense india has far fewer brokers uh, given the size and scope of the country i don't think that's very fragmented it's just the nature of the beast the way it works yeah. uh, i think where where we're going to see consolidation clearly is that we will see uh, we will see fewer developers uh, brokers what we'll find is while the numbers might still be big and might only grow they'll be allied with a few platforms so mm. for example in the us you know you have brokers who are allied with say a century 21 or a coldwell banker or or a compass and many of these similarly i think in india what you'll start finding that many of these brokers will start allying themselves to certain platforms so you will have like mm. a few large platforms uh, who will have these brokers uh, you know allied to them so in mm. that sense that fragmentation uh, which you know you, uh, you know which you see right now with small mom and pops operating independently uh, you'll find that they all ally themselves to a few large platforms and in that sense you will you will see consolidation uh, of the space happening but having said that you know my personal belief is that as far as proptech is concerned i think india is hugely underinvested uh, if you look at the united states you know, there is a new proptech startup funded every week uh, mm. maybe more uh, while in india you know you can count the number of proptech startups on your fingertips i think that's probably been uh, as a result of the underlying sector not having done very well in the last 6 uh, to 7 years and which is why you know investors sort of not being able to build conviction on the sector let alone you know the idea which you have or the team or the technology Uh, but i think now with with this sort of event which has happened i think it is it is a you know one 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 in a lifetime or once in a lifetime or once in a 100 year event which i think will fundamentally change the nature of uh, the industry and i think will open it up to a lot more uh, uh, you know technologies not just in the marketing of real estate which we prop up you know popularly believe as the domain for prop tech i think it'll be across the board you know all the way from you know design uh, and planning construction technologies construction monitoring then the sales and marketing piece you know which where we are involved uh, property management portfolio management around financing of properties around even sort of access to property right i mean not everybody can afford to pay 20 30 lakhs for a piece of property right but there are different ways where you can tokenize property and give access to people who can only afford smaller ticket sizes so you will see a lot of innovation across the 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 entire real estate value chain as far as uh, proptech is concerned you know i have to ask you this real estate also is a little scary space no just the thought of real estate because you feel that uh, even in our movies in bollywood we've grown up watching that real estate guys are the gundas and uh, uh, there is a bad overall name to the sector right what do you have to say about it is it like just a perception or there is some truth to it there's always an issue of perception uh, you mm. know which is always there and you know whatever you see on on celluloid always has some truth to it uh, but then obviously get sensationalized because you at the end of the day you know you want an audience to come and get entertained so if you kind of 
just talk mm-hmm. about mundane thing at a mundane level, people won't come and see you, right? Uh, so, look, I think if you look at the film industry, just think about it, you know. 20 years ago, people used to also associate the financing of films. Uh, you know, you just see it as shady, right? That's completely been transformed and become completely corporatized. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, it's the same notion with real estate. I think uh, previously financing was again, uh, you know, coming from shady sources. Uh, but now again, it's become a lot more professional. Uh, so I think some of those things which you saw in Bollywood 10, 15 years ago, I don't think are reality. Uh, I think what's real though, which, which we've all seen and experienced ourselves firsthand in the last six or seven years, is that developers have over leveraged themselves. Mm. They you know, launched a project, raised capital from customers, you know, against that. I mean, rather than completing that, they've used that money to go and buy more new land and not with mm. an intent, bad intent to, to, to uh, you know, divert or anything. It's just trying to over leverage yourself, hoping for the best, right? And once you hit a wall and let's say, you know, the, the demand which you perceive is not infinite at the end of yeah. the day and price increases are not infinite at the end of the day, that's the time when it's, you know, sort of bites you in the back. I think that that deleveraging will take place, uh, you know, as people who've got a lot of land are not able to construct, will sell that land uh, to new players coming in. Uh, weaker players, as I said, you know, with the tough balance sheets will start merging with stronger players. So you're going to see the evolution of the industry as well. And now with regulations coming in, it also was the big bad world out there with no regulations. I think the industry is going to see a massive transformation uh, happening going forward. Uh, yeah. So I think we, we, we needn't worry about the reputation of real estate, uh, what it was 20 years ago. Uh, I think it's, it's changed dramatically now. Um, you know, uh, Dhruv, you've been credited with, you know, the, the big famous housing.com. You helped revive housing.com. Take us through that journey. Because for all of us, you know, there was this whole investment that happened. Uh, three, four, five years back in some of these interesting startups, but we didn't see that kind of scale in many of them. Uh, but you have revived and, 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 and housing.com. Uh, so t- t- tell us about that. would love to know. What's that? Look, you know, housing.com is a very interesting story, Shraddha. Uh, you know, clearly, you know, one, one thing is very, very clear, at least in my mind, is that when it, when it did start, uh, it did shake up the industry. Yes. I think a lot of people were coasting uh, along, uh, you know, in leadership positions, not really sort of, you know, uh, worrying too much about innovation and doing new things. Because once you, once you establish leadership position, complacency does set in, right? Uh, I think housing came and shook, shook everybody up, right? Uh, I, I had the utmost respect for what they built in terms of the technology, yeah. the, the user interface, the way they went about branding themselves. I think it, it was a fabulous story. Uh, yeah. And uh, and it was it was uh, I think everybody's envy. Uh, mm. It was seen as the uh, poster child, you know, for the startup world, uh, mm. you know, for the longest. Uh, but look, things do go wrong, right? I mm. mean, uh, you know, all, all of us in who've been in the startup world realize uh, that we've had our issues along the way, um, and sometimes those issues get tackled, sometimes they don't, right? Uh, so I think what happened at housing was that. Uh, things sort of, you know, bubbled over, right? Uh, and I think a, a great company with a great asset, uh, I think sort of hit, hit a wall. Um, and, you know, we had this opportunity of, uh, of you know, uh, sort of going into it uh, and seeing, you know, as to what we could do. See, my fundamental belief, uh, you know, as a person in the business, in the trenches, uh, and having seen what their product is, hearing from people what they thought of the company, 
I was like, look, this is a great asset. Yeah. Uh, to, be, to be honest, many of our investors said that, Dhruv, I think, you know, you're stepping into a sinking ship and you'll probably sink along with it. But that was just popular perception because, you know, things really, really had, uh, you know, gone uh, uh, awry as far as the media was concerned, the way it was projected. I don't know. Uh, you know, when we went in, we realized things were not, not, not as bad as maybe they had been portrayed, to be honest, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, but, but people form popular perceptions, as you said, uh, and people were worried. But I had the conviction that, look, I think it's a great asset. And I think it was very complementary to what we were doing and fit in extremely well with us long-term strategy. And, you know, we went ahead and did that. Um, and, you know, to a pleasant surprise, it was a great asset uh, on which, you know, we could sort of, uh, which we could use as a foundation to build upon. Uh, so, you know, we, we kept the sort of the design ethos in place, only improved it, uh, you know, built on the, the tech uh, capabilities, uh, you know, built on the brand and all of those things uh, to take the business to the next level. I think it was one asset where uh, it was under monetized. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we sort of set about uh, figuring out how to monetize that. And I'm happy to say that, uh, you know, today uh, it's the biggest piece uh, of, uh, of a business, uh, you know, three years hence. Uh, so we, we've been very, very happy with that. It took a lot of work, you know, frankly, you know, M&A, as you know, uh, yeah. I think data shows globally that, you know, more than 50%, or maybe a larger percentage of M&A yeah. right? Yeah. And a lot of the reasons for that sometimes tends to be, uh, I think, when you do M&A for the wrong reason, right? Uh, you know, sometimes you do it out of hubris as opposed to really understanding if there is real value to be added. Is there a real synergy or not? You know, in our case, uh, I think, you know, if you want to be a part of the ecosystem of real estate, you really need a large demand aggregation engine. Without that, uh, you really, really can't scale the business. Yeah. Uh, and housing was that demand aggregation engine, you know, for us. There was a good reason to buy it. Uh, plus, I think why acquisitions fail is you really don't have a plan, right? You know, it's like you wake up the next morning and like, okay, now what do I do, right? Uh, that's not how you do it, right? You kind of clearly understand what the rationale is and have a detailed, you know, merger integration plan built well before you actually, you know, start executing. You know, mm -hmm. I worked with GE in M&A. And one thing I realized at that point in time, that a merger integration process started actually during your due diligence and, 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 the, and the transaction period. So actually when you hit the ground, day zero, uh, you had a complete plan in place. You, you knew what to do. And you yeah. implemented all of that in the first 30, 60 and 90 days. Mm -hmm. I think it was a lot of planning, uh, you know, a good reason for the merger, uh, as well as the asset that we bought, I think, which mm. we, which is put in, you know, where we are today. Mm. You, know. you know, but the good thing is that uh, the the interesting thing is that you went ahead and because at that time housing was so written off, right? So you saw something which many people quickly had, you know, first it was such a celebratory uh, product startup and suddenly deep dive, nose dived into nothing. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, yeah. Shweta, one thing I do want to share that uh, we weren't the only suitors. There were many people out there mm. uh, who were looking at the asset. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, just, just how we approached the, uh, uh, the acquisition as well as, uh, you know, what we sort of had to offer uh, yeah. you know, the company, I think really helped us, uh, you know, uh, win, that, uh, win that sort of, uh, you know, uh, exercise. <laughs> size of actually dating and then obviously getting married. Uh, otherwise, so I wouldn't say it was all that, you know, beaten down and that it was a pariah, which no one wanted. I think it was still a very coveted asset, even at yeah. that.
yeah yeah you know but yeah good that you told us and good that we know because suddenly it looked like big and then nothing yeah yeah good that you clarified you know through i want to understand from you you started uh, you're one of the co-founders of prop tiger and uh, you know through your lens i want to understand because you've had such an illustrious career before this you have such a good pedigree education then you worked in very big large organizations what got you to start prop tiger because you would have done your analysis study before jumping into this what got you so excited about the space so uh, you know it's, it's a great question uh, uh, shraddha because you know at the end of the day uh, you know when you sort of ideate about a business uh, you know on a on a on a piece of paper on a whiteboard sometimes you know you miss many things is <laughs> it was sort of driven by by being on the ground and understanding the fundamental need uh, you know of an indian family so yeah. prop, prop tiger we ran a, a fintech startup called i trust financial advisors so it was a it was a company which essentially did financial planning for indian families the same mm. we did a business plan for a business we helped create a business plan for a family in terms mm. of look what your current assets were what your income was what your income potential was what your long term financial goals were around that we would create a financial plan to help you get to those goals and in the process of that you know whatever assets you needed to buy uh, whatever insurances you needed to buy you know we would help you do that so it was like a mm. holistic fintech platform um, and during that uh, process we learned that uh, the biggest need for an indian family as they perceived it was the fact that look they wanted to buy their own home uh, and what they were saving for was essentially saving for being able to garner that down payment which they had to make towards getting a mortgage and then buying a house mm. uh, after doing like you know tens of thousands of financial plans for 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 customers we realized that that was their biggest need uh, during that process we also realized that at that point in time now things have changed many products were like a push insurance was a push yeah. uh, never realized look none of us sitting here you know imagine that you know uh, we could essentially you know uh, you know get hit by a bus tomorrow morning or some you know out of the blue event happens to us right yeah one wants to believe that right but that's the precise reason you buy insurance but no, mm. nobody was doing that right mm. um, people were reluctant to put money into any other asset class uh, you know other than sort of you know real estate and gold right yeah. uh, so 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 during so, so so what we kind of realized during that process was that uh, that real estate was something which was a hugely emotional requirement something everybody wanted to do uh, and it was going to be a much easier job for us to build a business around that than to try and you know uh, sell financial products to people uh, of course people have made hugely successful businesses in the field of selling insurance uh, mutual funds everything else but at that point in time there were lots and lots of regulatory headwinds for a business which is why we actually sold our uh, uh, fintech business to carvi uh, and then really carved out the real estate piece uh, and started prop tiger wow you know like you know when you were saying this through i was remembering that jo essentials kya hai education ho jaye degree ho jaye shaadi ho jaye aur ek ghar ho jaye right no absolutely are, yeah. and in those financial plans to be honest shraddha we saw that people were saving you know for a home uh, to send probably the kids abroad yeah enough to get them you know uh, married uh, maybe plan like a you know a foreign vacation every two years you know very basic stuff i mean 
that's that's what you know families uh, you know across india want right and we we were kind of really targeting you know the the broad indian middle class and and that gave us a huge insight into how they thought and what they wanted so when yeah. we we started prop tiger it was on the back of i would say four years of research really at at i trust which was the name of a previous venture which sort of prompted us to start uh, you know uh, prop tiger interesting yeah yeah uh, but do you see drove again you will be the you'll be best position to answer this you know we've been hearing all these conversations that oh the millennials today don't want to own houses there's this whole shared economy culture which is rising which is very different from you know earlier generations and era do you see that change happening mindset shift so so clearly clearly shraddha we were seeing that mindset mindset shift happening where people uh, were like saying okay you know what we believe in experiences Uh, we don't believe in owning assets right yeah. if you can get a very comfortable you know ride on a even on a private jet which you can rent out uh, why what <laughs> need to buy it right yeah. if you can go if you can go you know uh, on five foreign vacations why would you want to buy like a, a a vacation home in one particular place right uh why would you want to tie yourself down with a house when you know that you know in today's dynamic world your job your passion your hobby whatever it is could take you anywhere you don't even need to be in a job you could you know sort of be a freelancer uh, and not be tied down so to the and then of course we were used to the gig economy and sharing economy with many many other things like auto and everything else so why not a home right and which is why we kind of saw the advent of co living players kind of gave that flexibility right today you can be in a you know perfectly well managed world class home in delhi and tomorrow you decide to pack up your bags you can go yeah. to the bangalore center for this particular co living uh, you know provider so yeah. that was that was that's clearly a shift which we saw um, and i think it will continue to happen i think what could be a big change in that sort of thought process which was happening is covid frankly yeah. uh, and and you know we shouldn't underestimate that uh, just yeah. because we're in the thick of it you know people might say oh drove you know you're sort of overestimating uh, the impact of covid because we right on the throes of the disease right uh, with very little sort of uh, i would say uh, view in terms of how how quickly we can get out of this situation right so naturally you tend to think think the worst but i but i fundamentally believe that our relationship to the home as i mentioned to you earlier has changed it's been our one and only safe haven uh, and continues to be yeah. you know in a moment of crisis so i think people uh, views with regard to owning a home i think will get changed fundamentally that one pull which we were seeing towards the shared economy experiences and not owning i think there's going to be a strong pull now coming from what we've experienced uh, you know with, with 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 covid so you will have these both these sort of things you know in tension uh, so so i will not i will not dismiss uh, you know home buying as something which is going to be passe uh, and neither will i say that look this whole sharing co-living thing is going to go away either so there's going to be a yeah. uh, but 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 clearly one trend which was actually worrying if one looked at it you know 10 years hence i think that i get less worried now just given given what's happened with uh, with with covid you know now that you're saying this see i've been speaking to a lot of people and they're saying the same thing in fact some were saying and now again you are best place to answer that the uh, the the housing uh, the, the 
payments or the money, what do you call it, the money that you have to pay for good houses is going to increase because now what the signal people are getting is that everyone wants to move to a better neighborhood. So if today I could afford a house of one crore, I'm ready to stretch it to 1.5 or two because I, you know, I want to move to a better neighborhood and that is becoming a sort of reality. Uh, yeah, so you know, so more than a better neighborhood, uh, Shadha, because you know that could still be quite unaffordable, just given mm -hmm. that you know certain neighborhoods carry certain price tags, you know, with them. I think what you're going to find is you're going to find more sort of township community type of project mm -hmm. where it's sort of all self self sustaining, right? Uh, uh, or self dependent. You you might you might see. You might see uh, these these communities where you have like a barber shop. Uh, you you of course gyms are already par for the course, but you'll see like a small uh, mini mall kind of thing. Uh, whatever you need to kind of you know be self sufficient. If something like a COVID were to happen, right, without sort of you know the need to venture out in what would be seen as a risky world, uh, I think though the demand for those kind of uh, communities would would go up. And just given the fact that land is not available in the heart of the cities to do that, you'll, you'll find it in the peripheries of the city. And that's where I think the whole concept of, you know, walk to work will shift from, you know, work from home. Uh, so yeah. people will be perfectly comfortable staying in these places because they could just work from home. And even if they had to come into work once a week or twice a week, they'd be happy to make that commute because at least for the rest of the five days, you were in a sort of self-sufficient, well-ensconced community outside, you know. Yeah, yeah, very, very relevant point. Yeah, because people in New York today are looking to move to the suburbs, right? Because it's congested, it's because of congestion. I think the COVID, you know, cases have been, you know, more severe than before. Yeah. So looking to move to the suburbs. So I think we'll see a similar dynamic in Mumbai as well as, as well as Delhi and maybe even... Yeah, Canada. in fact, now that you're saying, I read that, uh, no, you know, there was this that people are not willing to come back to New York and they're happy in the suburb with the right. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not just housing.com, but I hear that you've made a couple of uh, strategic investments. You know, I want to understand your mind because in India, we don't see uh, companies make strategic investments. Did you do it because you found value or did you think differently or were you open to, uh, you know, because everything we want to build rather than buy. But you've gone ahead and been a visionary and been very new age, if I may say so, in figuring out interesting assets to uh, get inside Drop Tiger. Yeah. So look, you know, Shada, it's you know, it's it's a debate which rages in every every boardroom, right? Be it for of a startup or a large company. I think the build versus buy decision, uh, you know, is an age-old decision and an mm. age-old dilemma which you know corporate boards, management always always faces. Uh, I think, you know, uh, for startups, it becomes even more critical because time to market and speed to market is crucial. Yes. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, trying to do everything yourself and build everything yourself, right, uh, just takes longer. Uh, and even trying to build those capabilities might on the surface seem easy, uh, but it's not. Uh, yeah. It's not easy for me to just start another business. If I want to start doing co-living today and run a platform, it's not easy for me to do because... Yeah. It's fundamentally, in my opinion, a hospitality business. How do you kind of ensure comfort, you know, for, uh, you know, hundreds of people staying you know, in, in an apartment you're managing, right? But so, Dhruv, let me recognize you here before you continue that this acknowledgement as an entrepreneur, 
that everything is not easy for me to do everything i think many of us don't recognize that and and that's what i'm saying that you you go ahead and recognize that yeah 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 so it's 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 important shraddha because you know if if you don't understand your own limitations right uh, i think uh, that that can be very detrimental because you may end up doing stuff which actually ends up hurting you so we've been very proactive where we found that look this is something which is good adds value to our company it'll take us long to build we've been happy to go out and you know buy that asset mm-hmm. uh, and of course we've been very co- and look we've done many acquisitions uh, you know one or two have done really well for us one or two have done okay for us and maybe one might not have done as well for us but that's part of the course again i think for yeah. us the biggest the biggest purchase we made was housing.com uh, and that you know knock on wood you know has done well for us uh, so i can say now you know in retrospect that uh, look mna worked really <laughs> well for us uh, but look going in we had the same concerns uh, you know the same sort of you know worries that how do we make cultures mesh together because mm. the biggest risk of doing acquisitions is you know bringing in you know multiple cultures uh and in trying to put all of those together is a challenging part and that's where we've been uh you know our focus on people uh and focus on culture and focus on values as help uh because that's what we've tried to sort of you know do whenever we done a new acquisition is to come back to the drawing board together and say hey look you know what if if now your founder some under different company we are here in you know prop tiger can we sit down together and re-evolve a common vision revolve mm. a common set of values so that uh, you know people everywhere feel comfortable don't feel threatened uh and you know kind of gel together very quickly as a team and move forward because if that doesn't happen you can buy the best asset uh, yeah. it won't work for you yeah 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 and, and and congratulations for making it work i think you know these are some of the stories that we need to tell more one is uh, yeah about this and the second thing is that i'm i'm very impressed when i read that you have made uh, strategic investments because somehow we need to have more of it i'm just saying purely from the startup ecosystem perspective also okay. yeah uh so if we can peep inside your boardroom <laughs> what's the big plan that you guys discuss when it comes to your company look you know one of one of the things we we do realize uh, uh, shraddha is and we've seen this happen globally that at the end of the day uh, uh, there is I, i wouldn't say a winner take all uh, hmm. syndrome uh, but you know we've seen it with right move in the uk right uh, they get a disproportionate share of the traffic whoever hmm. looking to do anything with real estate right if you look at one of our investors real estate australia right uh, they get a disproportionate share of traffic uh for people looking to do something in real estate uh we see it with you know in singapore with let's say property guru who gets a disproportionate mm-hmm. share of you know uh, traffic we look at it with the us there's zillow out there right and one, one of our again you know news corp's assets called realtor.com so it is it is a very at the end of the day a very concentrated uh, sector when when we look at audience right mm-hmm. so i think the thing which we discuss the most frankly you know is how do we get to a distant number one position as far as audience growth is concerned because if you have audience that means you have consumers coming in uh then you're going to win the sector uh otherwise it's going to be a big big challenge so for mm-hmm. us that sort of our, our our fundamental uh goal as we say build traffic build build audience and we believe that we have the right product in place the right service offering in place to also be able to attract that audience because if you attract the audience and you don't have the right product uh yeah. audience goes away very fast 
so that's sort of what we what what keeps us up at night uh, that you know how do we build that scale and how do we build that build that audience you're not going to give me the exact number but that distinct num distinct number one position kitne log hote hain wahan pe kitne audience kya audience you know i would say un, un, until you don't have 60 70% market share of audience in our distinct number one right that's what yeah. it is and we are far from that today and i think anyone in this country today is is far from that and which is what makes proptech very exciting because there is the opportunity right yeah. uh, for not just us but other players as well to get to that position so it is going to be is going to be uh, an interesting dynamic competitive dynamic of the next few years where somebody is going to emerge you know uh, you know as that winner uh, we 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 believe that it's going to be us uh, mm-hmm. but i'm sure there are enough people out there who who believe the same and rightfully so because i think there is an open playing field right now for people to go out and get get to that position and i think given the fact that we've had headwinds in the underlying industry so far has been a challenge but now i think those headwinds will become tailwinds now whether that happens in the next 12 months or 18 months yeah. i don't know but with that i think that opportunity is 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 abundantly open for for uh, for folks like us out there yeah and i see you are very excited and geared yeah. up <laughs> to get to that place uh, <clears throat> so Drup, this is money matters. I want to ask you, what does money mean to you, personally? You know, it's it's uh, it's an interesting. Tell me, were you born to money? Uh, sorry. Were you born to money? Were you the uh, rich guy? <laughs> look, I, I look. Being rich is all sort of relative. Uh, but all I can say is, I I had a very comfortable upbringing. Uh, hmm. So uh, so unfortunately, I don't have stories to tell about. You know where. Uh, uh you know i didn't have sufficient money to do what i wanted uh, mm. uh being honest here uh, i think i think for me uh, although it's been very interesting how i viewed money uh, and i think i've learned it from uh, i would say my father to a large extent is i see that money is an enabler at the end of yes. the day right uh, it's a, up to a certain extent it enables you to meet your needs and requirements right uh, we all of us you know want to have a nice home want to do as you said right give our kids a good education uh you know be able to you know enjoy you know certain experiences in life uh, so i think I, i see money as allowing us or enabling us to do that and i think beyond that what i see money is again as an enabler but an enabler to make a positive impact in this world see mm. beyond a certain point i think it becomes a number right yeah uh, and and if we just simply chase a number i think it can it can get uh, it can get uh, pretty toxic the relationship with money right uh and you know it it leads us to do all sorts of you know funny things <laughs> i don't have to say that we all we all know that yeah but if you see that as an enabler to make a positive impact in life right and we've seen it with many many uh you know very wealthy people who basically given away their money uh use their money to make a positive impact in the world to change the world yeah that's 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 the real power of money i think uh you need a very small amount to meet, meet your essentials Uh, and beyond that i think it, it's a great tool which one can have to make a positive difference that's how i see wow. it wow yeah yeah and i hope you have plenty of it so that you can make positive difference and go to that distinct number one position <laughs> yeah <laughs> last sorry i forgot to ask are you angel investing in startups are you supporting startups in some day in the country yes so i am a pretty active angel investor uh, plus you know i do take you know uh time whenever you know i can i can spare some to uh talk to new entrepreneurs uh, in terms of you know 
as they say, I've, I've seen the movie play out a, a few times now. Uh, and, I, and I know exactly at what point, you know, kya hone wala, as they say. <laughs> so I'm, I'm able to share that experience with people uh, where, you know, they, they hit a wall uh, and being in the trench, trenches, they just can't see a way out. But really, if, you, if you've been there, done that before, I think uh, a simple conversation can sometimes make a big difference, you yeah. know, for, for new entrepreneurs. So I try my best to, uh, you know, support startups, both, you know, mentoring them as well as uh, investing, you know, wherever, wherever I can, wherever I think that, yes, there is an opportunity, you know, which, uh, which, you know, can become big. And many a time, one thing I always do is I like to do is if anyone leaves our company and wants to do a startup, uh, I, I nine out of ten, 10 times try and invest Wow! Uh, because I believe that, you know, uh, that's that sort of one one goal of a startup is is not just doing what you're doing, but also to build the ecosystem. Uh, and if people from your company can actually go out and spawn more startups, uh, nothing nothing like it. Thank you. I hope Thanks. so. Thank you very much. Thanks for thanks for having me on the show.